If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Tony Sweet starts now, exclusively on UBN Radio. Thank you so much. You guys are just wonderful, and we appreciate that. All right, well, this is Tony Sweet on our Tony Sweet right here on Universal Broadcasting Network. Uh, as we talked about last week, Carla Renata is not in studio today. She is in Tribeca, well, New York, and she's going to come back next week, tell us all about the new movies coming out. And uh, as you know, she can talk and talk and talk. That's why I'm glad she's not. No, I'm just kidding. Carla, I love you. I really am. All right, so, but we have in studio, not as my co-host but as my guest my first guest and this is an amazing artiste wow you, you go by that artiste sure okay uh and uh he very talented uh i have to say that uh i i'm a musician myself i'm a singer i'm not really not a musician but uh because there, there's a difference get up to that mic there you up know you're a singer too. come on uh well we have trevor Wesley in the house. Oh my God, that that Thank almost you. hurt. Thank you. Very talented musician, artist, and uh, we appreciate you being here today. And uh, we're going to talk about your music, talk about how you got started in, in this crazy music industry, because you know it's uh, any type of artist, from uh, actor, musician, sculptor, painter. I mean, there's something different about us. Right. I mean, they're from day one. So we got to figure out what that is and what got you started. So before we talk about the music, let's talk about where you got started, your journey in as a singer, as a what guitar player, a piano player, cello, cello whatever. No. Uh, so okay, where are you from? Los I'm Angeles. From LA. Yeah, born and raised in the Valley, and I lived in Orange County as well for oh you did high school. And- Stuff like that. What's cool. the difference between L.A. and Orange County? It's big difference. <laughs> yeah, uh, as in uh, being an art- artist or just being – is there a lot more opportunities down there or oh, no. more up here? I mean, it's awesome how it all came and happened because there's nothing to do. So, <laughs> so you just there was said, nothing to do, yeah, like, you know, hang out in the parking lots and stuff. <laughs> so I just was in my room all the time and made music and cultivated my sound. And I'm sure I'd do music anywhere I was. Right. But if I was in L.A. and not Orange County, I might have had more things to Other do. Other distractions. You know? So, like I said, I grew up uh, in a musical family. My sisters played guitar, sang. My brother played piano, played the wow. bass. My mother played piano. My dad sang. Did you come from a musical family? I, came, I come from a really creative and artistic family. My dad's whole side of the family draws and oh. paints and stuff like that. See, my, that's creativity. My mom's side... My mom's mom, which is my grandma, right? <laughs> she like jeweled trunks okay. and did stained glass windows and that type of thing. And my mom's sister was married to Louis Brown, who was like uh, Jerry Lewis's conductor and arranger. Yeah. And so wow! I got to grow up around like a piano and you know just. Yeah. My dad's a camera operator in movies, so I kind of grew up in in the industry. So you having, grew up in the industry. Yeah, I grew up Don't in LA. Like you know what I mean? Like it's not like yeah, like it's no big deal. <laughs> like, hey, yep. 
Yeah. Well, did okay. I also used to write poetry. I mean, I don't play instrument at all, at all. Um, just the pencil, just pen, yeah, ink. <laughs> That's right. Even that, I can't even do. My brother is, you know, he's he can draw and sculpt and all that stuff. But I yeah, used to write poetry. Bad. Did you start writing at all, or did you just start with a I was guitar? Really, I, actually, I was told my whole life that I was really bad in English and I was really bad at all that stuff. School Me, no good. good. Yeah, at school, you know, <laughs> school was not my thing. Yeah, but. It's also a blessing because I think for myself, kind of like, you know, I wasn't told mm-hmm. what to think. I, now I'm like, do my own thing. But it all started with melodies and music first, where I would just blurt and sing out whatever I wanted, you know, to the music. Right. And then eventually I'd say something like, oh, what did I say? That sounded cool. And then I'd <laughs> make it work. And then I'm, people would be like, wow, you're a great writer. And I never really, really? realized that I could, could have the talent to do it because I was told I wasn't good at it. When, when, what age was it when you finally said, I'm, I'm a pretty good writer? Last year, maybe this year. <laughs> like, How old are you now? No. <laughs> right, um, yeah, question? you're twenty. Twenty. No. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it, it took me a long time too to accept it because where I was from, I'm from Kansas, country boy. You know, everybody kind of they want you to go a certain direction in, in right. your career. Did your family let you kind of choose your path? Yeah, that's. The, that's I think perfect. that's the most beautiful. One of the beautiful things is that I had supportive parents and family that you know really like believed in me and let me sit in my room and make music and get me the equipment to do that because all my <laughs> other friends were like go get a job and they went and got a job and they've probably had 10 jobs right but and they have the skills of a job but now it's like i have more more than that you know what right. I, mean? I don't i may not have the skills of a, a regular job which which is hopefully fine, one day that'll to, never matter i was gonna say if, it, if you don't have to go back to a regular job then right. nothing wrong with it but this is something that you enjoy yeah. doing it takes time you know and yeah. you got to cultivate and build something and right luckily i have my business partner who's like my best friend you know we're like brothers so we've been just building this tree house i like to call it and just you know we're plucking away at it to just fine-tune it and wow Change so the floors, if we need. Well, when when you, when you started, like I said, learning the process of you know being a musician with the instrument, uh, did you also sing too, or were you mostly the musician first? I, and I was kind of. I sang when I was a kid, and then there was that awkward phase of oh, like, when you I couldn't. <laughs> sing, I'm not gonna sing. I like, sing. What do you mean? I play the piano. But then you know, high school comes around, and you sing to girls, and you're like, oh, dang, they like me to sing, so <laughs> sing more, go karaoke with my sister. My, you know, my yeah. I was kind of a dork. I mean, I still am. I, was, I w- we used to go karaoke with my family like every weekend. We go karaoke and oh, sing with my sister. I know family that <laughs> but sings the girls together. Stays together. You could hate, but you know, there would be that one girl that was. Is that what is that how the urge did it? Yeah, you made that one girl might be there that just one to girl. Yeah, if she wasn't there then. You're like, damn, every week there was never, there was always <laughs> these old people, time. old women. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I love to sing, you know, yeah. like it wasn't ever because of girls. Shy like, ever? I was definitely shy. That's the thing is that most of the time I would just sing to them and then I'd feel like, oh, yeah, and then that was it. <laughs> well, I, I was extremely shy. I would sing in front of my family, but there was no hell of a way to ever sing in front of people, people. Uh, until later in life. And I was the opposite. I'd be more confident to sing in front of strangers than sit and sing in front of my for my family. I don't know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's probably a that's good thing because you get noticed more than your mom and dad going, that's wonderful, honey. Yeah. <laughs> they always told me, though, when I was bad. Like, you know, they were never always like, oh, that's great. That's great. They're like, oh, that's no, good. you got to work on that. That's, <laughs> I love honesty. Cool. I love Now, siblings, you say? Yeah, I have a sister. A sister. She she's musician too. And she's uh, she's an awesome singer. She's a mother, mm-hmm. and she's married. And you know, I always tell her, does 
you don't have to do it as a profession to have it feed your soul. You know what I mean? Right. Just and, enjoy. And if well, oh good. And if you that's have the ghost kids, in there. then it's like that's a motherly thing to have. Be able to sing to your kids. You know, sing them to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, sharing that with your kids, music, music of yeah. any kind, except if it was like. That type of music, yeah, you don't want that. But uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's something that kids remember throughout their life. Yeah. Sure. Uh, okay, so did you have a band growing up? Bands make her dance, but I didn't have a band. No. <laughs> I was like, is that the name of the band? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no. I mean, I think there was like a time when I kind of like joined a little band. There was mm-hmm. a buddy in high school. And we never really did any shows or anything. We had a couple of rehearsals. It was like a rocker kind of band, and right. I was like, just played piano. It wasn't really anything. It's like, it was boring. It was yeah, like, I, mean, I was kind of a loner, like more in the production side of things. Like right. I had a piano teacher that kind of introduced me to Cubase, is what it was called, where you could record yourself. And that's kind of how I started was he showed me that, and then I'd start making music and stuff. Hmm. And it's, it's crazy. You know how like you hear yourself talk for the first time, right. and you're like, I sound like that. So you got to go through those processes of hearing how you sound. In a good way or bad way? Cause in a I bad mem- way. Yeah, because like, I remember going horrible. to the recording studio. I'm like, I'll never sing again because I right. sounded like crap. Because it, when it's fine-tuning yeah, right. until, until it sounds the way you like it. Yeah. Because people always ask me, like, is it weird listening to yourself sing? And I'm like, not anymore. Like, I mean, at first, did, how long did it take you to realize that, okay, it's not as bad as I think it is? <laughs> because I, like I said, it took me a it's while. It's funny. It's the opposite, though. I used to think it was so good, and then as time went by, I'd listen back to it. and I was like, "Dang, you believed in that? Like that's wow. I, I'm like, that's crazy." But probably a good thing, though. Yeah, but, but I'm it. thankful that I had yeah. the like. Oh, this is really good because if I if I sought for what it really was, I would have maybe been discouraged more. But yeah. I thought I was awesome, and hopefully that's not the case <laughs> now. In ten years, I'll look back and be like, "I didn't. I made that." Yeah, that's, that's like good. that's pretty damn good. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, first paid gig. When was it? First paid gig. Do you remember? The first real gig that I got, I think, was I used to. I met a guy named Wayne Brady through a friend. The the, the host? comedian yeah. and he's a yeah. singer. He's yeah. a really oh, talented he's a great guy. singer. He does so many things, and a lot of people don't he know. He just threw it out there. And I met him through like, a, yeah, Wayne Brady. a friend, Jamie Jones, which was I swear oh, the yeah. guy who sang that yeah. song. He was one of the first people that introduced me to some people. and I met him, uh, Wayne Brady, and Wayne asked me to come out to Vegas. So I was out wow. in Vegas at the Venetian singing, and, you know, he did, a, you know, the improv stuff, yeah. making shit yeah. up was, was called on his show. I don't remember that, but I, I, I mean, and, he's well, definitely in Vegas, improv. At, yeah. In Vegas, it was oh, called okay. making shit up. Okay. And he'd have, you know, his improv thing, he did it with his co-host, and he'd towards the end like do songs and stuff and so hmm. like the background singers and stuff had to like be quick to figure out what he was going to do we've had our we had our template of like backgrounds right. so you did backup yeah background singing right. for him oh wow so how that, was so that, that was being cool. a good opportunity you're like i don't want i'm not a backup singer but it was awesome because it was just like <laughs> get paid you hang out in vegas i was there every two weeks so two weeks i'd be there and then i'd drive back to la hmm. and that's cool. pretty awesome. good experience we had we had a show on the air it was called uh backline with Jody McBrayer. Jody was part of Avalon, which was a huge gospel Christian group, and uh, he, 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 then he got signed again to a new group, so that's why he had to leave. Uh, but uh, he, it was all about backup singers. Uh, but some, of, I have to say, some of the best singers are backup singers. Oh yeah, yeah. Better sure. than even the the headliners. For sure. Well, a lot of times yeah. headliners they want them to look and look like look a certain so way. cool. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That they're like, well, we don't care how they sound. Yeah. 
So how did you find your your uh, genre, I guess, your your style of music? Who who influenced you, but when did you say this is this is really what I want to sing? Definitely my mom's side of the family of my grandmother and all them, they would always play the old Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra. Oh, wow. You know, Louis Armstrong yeah. and the Beach Boys, uh, K-Earth 101. You know, I grew up in L.A. and in the Valley, and that was always what played. And I think just a combination of soaking up that, you know, I love Christmas music, like all sorts of things. It's wow. feel good stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, I grew up loving like, you know, Biggie Smalls and Snoop Dogg and so uh, a taste M&M of yeah, you Pharrell got the buffet and yeah, like West West Coast type stuff. So, you know, I try to like put together like you know sonically have eight oh eights and eight oh eights are like bass lines right. that are drums, so you can you know yeah. I, would, I was like yeah, more, and I'm like I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, make, <laughs> it, make, like, it, yeah. <laughs> make it feel like today, but then at the same time feel authentic. Like it may be you know someone who listened to that back in the day would still appreciate it, but a new person that's 12 years old might still think it was cool. I love, I have to say, I love that you were influenced by your family's generation of music yeah. because I grew up with my dad who was 81 and my mom's 76. So they grew up in the 50s. So I grew up with my dad, you know, growing, uh, from the country boy in Kansas. Right. And Frank Sinatra, to, you know, to, uh, all the country singers of that era, to my mother, who grew up in California, from the Beach Boys and the girl yeah. bands of the 60s and 50s. And so I got the best of both worlds, too. And so when people, I say, oh, that's so-and-so, and they're like, how do you know all these singers? But it, it I have to say, it influenced my singing, too. Yeah. You know, it, and I, I love it. I love it. What, what did For you sure. like about that era? Of music. I mean, everything about it was kind of cool to me. You know what I mean? Like the there was very intricate and good arrangements, and the I love strings. And the whole thing was about being classy, and it kind of had like it was a it was a little more clever and smarter than it is today. Like you know, people would be more discreet and have mm-hmm. discretion with things, and say something that was just more f- clever and funny instead of the direct exact thing that you would like. Oh, well, oh. it's pretty predictable. Yeah, music's yeah, it's very more predictable, predictable now. Yeah, which back then it uh, it, it was a variety. And, uh, the humor was dry too. I like yeah. more dry yeah. humor. You yeah. know, that's funny. The slapstick type of humor. Yeah. Um, well, let's. I want to. I want to play. Uh, you don't know if they're joking or not. Right, right. No. Which <laughs> yeah, I like that. Exactly. I grew up with my uncles like that. By the way. Uh, well, uh, tell us about the song that we're going to play here um, and uh, explain. The chivalry is dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I came up with the song because I always known the, f- the the phrase "chivalry is dead," and I was like, well. Never heard a song called Chivalry is Dead, so I might as well try and write that. And how long did it take to write? And then It was easy. It was really oh, look, quick, I man. hate when people say it's easy. But it's seriously. all the hardest ones. <laughs> Anything that's hard usually isn't good. You oh, know? okay. Like, for okay. me, like if it's really easy, because I if I that means I have direction or right. I have like that's why I've learned over the years, like if I get a song title, if I know the name of the song, then I know what it's like I just have to like see it and just like psh, make it happen, like make it appear. <laughs> well, when we play this, also explain to our viewers and listeners, because the people that are watching are, are going to understand it, but the people that are listening to it are not going to see the video. So right. uh, explain the technology that is with this. I didn't even know that they had technology such as this. Yeah, me, me neither. Luckily, we found out at the right time. <laughs> so tell, tell it's us. It's a 360 technology, virtual yeah. reality. Right. So meaning you can watch the video on your phone or a computer and move around. Like if I'm in a swivel chair right now, so if I was to hold it and move around, it would the video would move around just. That's like pretty I awesome. Could, so I could see 
like I was actually there. How you know? I mean, that's. I mean, if you if you think about it, you're the director who directed it. Did you direct it? No, Ian co Ian Eastwood co-directed it with Sam Mac Macaroni. That's his last Macaroni, name. I, I love that. that. Yeah, it makes me hungry. So. Uh, but to to say you know you're directing not just in front of the camera but the whole room because you have to yeah you got to be yeah so you have to be aware of matters. everything in the whole you, know, you don't room. have a behind the scenes you got yeah the scene yeah that's pretty fascinating okay so we're gonna play the song when we Sweet. come back so much more and yes that's my name uh, we're gonna <laughs> talk with more with uh, Trevor Wesley and don't go anywhere on with Tony Sweet right here on UBN Radio. Just let your hair down Let's paint the whole town Life is our playground Yay But I'm not a kid no more So I must open doors And make you feel like the lady you are My mama raised me To be classy, not flashy I'm happy to please you Though I can tell that's not what you're used to And they say Chivalry is dead Dead Girl, let a real man Pick up the slack And treat you with respect Yeah Like you deserve it There's no pressure We can do whatever makes you comfortable Yeah, I could float your boat Go take my coat I sing a music note From the song that I just wrote Girl, just take my hand And let me be a man Though that's not what you're used to And they say They say
say about that at 420 on 420 i know <laughs> wow it's a wow i have to say i did not know that technology existed but i that was pretty pretty amazing and you guys they had I to didn't guide do much in the video i just played sound. i know you just had to sit I there just... <laughs> that's what happens when you get to be boss right uh i have to say uh it's it, the technology is wonderful but I, we were talking that to be able to produce and direct what's on screen and all over that that must be difficult but did you have a say in any other direction or production or i mean of course i'm gonna if i don't like something or like get whatever, out of here. i can change i don't whatever, like that but, you know ian that's why i worked with him the choreographer and dancer you know he came in at midnight the day before oh, wow. and just kind of put everything together that night and rehearsed it with all his buddies that he got over to dance for it you know so by 7:38 a.m. we shot it and since you can only shoot one shot we had to right. you know do it like three times and then that was it so we made sure we had it got take is a camera tell me about the camera how is that is it like I think a there was like six or how many cameras 12 cameras or something seven who six, knows how many six, numbers six. there <laughs> there's like multiple cameras and it would capture everything around and so that's why he created some even when they like stood around the thing I thought that was cool yeah. Why not 360 dance around the camera? And I was saying that, you know, your voice, it, it's, uh, it, I'm trying to, th it's a, I'm trying to think who it's would resemble, but I think it has a resemblance of, uh, you know, a lot of people combined. I can tell you some of your influences, but yeah, yeah. Mo more modern day, because the guitar playing, who, because, you know, vocally, you know, we talked about it, but guitar playing, who is some of your influences? I don't know, man. I never or just kind of do your own. I thing. mean, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, my dad played guitar, and I, he's the oh, first yeah. one that I saw with a guitar. I really? Said, oh, you're not that great. <laughs> but he, what he is, like, he's he's dope. He's got a little band too. He's put together from his buddy. Did you influence him? Called the Trolls. The Trolls. Because <laughs> my dad's like five four. So oh my god! Wow. It's very short. Yeah. But I think the one of the other guys is short too. But it's pretty funny. Larry. <laughs> But he loves you, Dad, right? He yeah, really yeah. But guitar influence, I mean, I don't know. I, I just love the jazzy chords and Yeah, definitely jazzy. Different I don't know. Different instruments and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> was that was the song written for a certain person? Girl? You think so, right? Yeah, it was, I was very just intimate, being, yeah. I was like I would do that a lot. I'll be like, if I was this, then what would I do? So it's like still honest, you know right. what I mean? It's putting my heart on the sleeve right. if I was to do that or but a lot of times i just write in that world of because <laughs> anything's possible that way if i can only write about what i go through or whatever mm -hmm. then i'm stuck <laughs> <laughs> i've been there many times i've actually walked away from you know like three quarters of the way through a song and then just walk away because i can't yeah. finish it I mean, and I'll like, do that too, and then I come back to it later and i yeah. forgot about it and yeah, you're like, inspired oh. yeah it's like this is great sometimes you gotta do that uh so what do you plan? I mean, what do you want to do with your your ability, your your gift in music? I mean, what is what is your vision for Trevor? Well, to travel the world, of course, and make music, continue mm -hmm. to make music, put an album out, and inspire people and give back. You know, I love to do. Uh, we did a boys and girls club thing where we went really and spoke to the kids about 
because like I said, like school wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to be able to connect with kids that school's not their thing either because maybe they're really good at music or right. an arts thing, you know. And I just want to pay it forward that in that regard of, of keeping the arts alive. And, you know, I still am in contact with my choir teacher from high school mm. and he's like he was a he was like 22 years old when i was in high school and he was so it was old his back first then. job <laughs> yeah this is his first job and he's a excellent and over the years he's he's now been like i think he won a grammy for being a for a musical wow. educator award like he's Holy he's crap. got his whole class filled with like a recording booth you know instruments and stuff to record and it's like it's just a awesome opportunity that you know like I was thankful to have him as my first teacher, and right. I was his first one of his first students. So it's cool to have that that uh, that bond of like, oh dang, like he recognized my talent. I mm-hmm. recognize him as a teacher because I hated teach my teachers, but he like <laughs> he really inspired me. You know? No, it's it's true, and I, and I think we all have that one or two teachers that believed in us, right? That that showed us that the talent that we had is worth pursuing. Right, and it, I have to say that's that's pretty amazing that you still. Do you remember his name? What's his name? Keith Hancock. Keith Hancock. 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 Yeah, we used to always laugh. <laughs> Wonder why. Uh, okay, so because time is, I can't believe it's almost time to get out of here. But so, where where are you going to be performing? Because I know people that are listening here, at least locally, would love to come and listen. Well, to hopefully, you. I'm performing around the world, man. I really want to go on a tour and when? get this music out. Exactly. Well, I don't have an exact date for the project yet, oh, but okay. we're going for the summer. We're going to put it out, and that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, I, Most importantly, I want to put together a show because there's so many different ways to right. to perform. You know, I could perform with a band or by, with a piano by myself or a guitar. Or, so it's, it's putting together a team to help me you know, for whatever the show is appropriate for, you know, you right. got to have things ready. So if it's just me by myself, <laughs> I can do that or whatever. Because if I got a bunch of people, I don't get paid either. You know, <laughs> that's, nobody that, knows that's who true. I am. That is true. <laughs> All right. So just because of time, how do people find you? Where do they find you? Where can they go listen to your music? I mean, my name, Trevor Wesley. You can, you know, social it's media easier, yeah. is at Trevor Wesley. I thought there was going to be tons of TrevorWesley.com. And, and on Amazon, is there music there? I, I think there is. ITunes. Amazon, there's iTunes, Spotify. Um, you know, just Google my name and hopefully you'll find something that you like. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. I, I said, this is this has been great. And I hope you come back when you have a yeah, man. the full album. Good, Maybe good you can bring the guitar and sing yeah, live for us. We'll for bring sure. some pretty girls in that way. You know, you don't uh-huh. have to look at my ugly mug and just say, yeah, this is not working, Tony. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have Chef Rossi on the phone. And uh, But Trevor, thank you so thank much. You. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll be Real right good, back. kid. Real good. <laughs> With On Air with Tony Sweet, only on Universal Broadcasting Network. All right, welcome back. This is On Air with Tony Sweet. I'm Tony Sweet. Carla Renata is not here today, so you get stuck with me. But we have on the phone our next guest. We have Chef Rossi. How you doing, Chef Rossi? Fantastic. How are you, sweetie? I am wonderful now that I'm talking to you. Woohoo. All right. Well, you know, I, 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 growing up in Kansas, I grew up around food. And food has always been one of those things that uh, uh, bring people together and uh, 
make us outgrow our pants. But uh, uh-huh. I want to I want to get started and talk about you, your your life, your career, and your book, mm-hmm. The Raging Skillet: The True Life Story of Chef Rossi, a memoir with recipes. And recipes are our friends. I get I guarantee you that. Uh, so so tell me tell me a little bit about you and your past. I, I see you grew up in New York. Well, I was originally from the Jersey Shore. Oh, I came Jersey. to New York when I was. I know I have big hair, right? <laughs> I came to New I came to New York when I was sixteen, and I grew up sort of like living in Jersey, but in in Florida all the time, and really in like Boondick, nowhere, Florida, <laughs> like the Redneck Riviera. And my parents were kind of what you might call lowly Orthodox. You know, which meant uh, they kept kosher, right. but they would have, like, the fish sandwich at McDonald's. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, it was like their own sort of version yeah. of it. Yeah. But we spent so much time in the redneck Riviera, Florida, that I had this sort of desire for white trash and Jewish at the same time. Ooh, you're so talking my I'm, family now. <laughs> I'm like, could I have, like, kishka and grits, please? <laughs> And I came to New York when I was just 16, and I had this kind of wacky background. So it sort of set me up to either become a caterer or a serial killer, like something was going to give. So what did you choose? I'm just kidding. <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> you got to put the body somewhere. I'll uh, be out back. <laughs> well, you know, th- this is what I love about you. First of all, you definitely have a sense of humor. And I think being in this industry, you have to have a sense of humor. Absolutely. Uh, it's such a painful, it's such a painful way to make a living. I mean, no matter what anyone says, it really is very hard. And you, you have got to laugh about it. You have to joke. You pull a 15-hour day cutting up 200 pounds of meat. You know, you have to make a joke about it. You have to say that filet mignon looks exactly like a penis. I mean, you really <laughs> just have to, you have to just laugh it up. You what know? kind of penis? No, I was just kidding. It's <laughs> quite a large penis, but, you know. <laughs> I think I know him. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so sorry about that. Uh, so, so your humor, um, first of all, your humor and being uh, in the food industry. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you grow up anybody like your grandma, your mother, amazing cooks that that passed well, on traditions of cooking? Well, what happened was um, my mother was a Hungarian Yiddish cook. So. She believed in cooking things that simmered for, like, longer than relationships I've had. Like, (laughs) I have actually had relationships that did not last as long as it took to cook my mother's goulash. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. uh, I was a slut in the 80s. What can I say? And so, uh, you know, she knew it was ready to eat when you didn't need, you know, teeth to chew it. It should just sort of disintegrate in your mouth. But what happened when I, I was, like, about 13, she got her first microwave. (laughs) <laughs> and suddenly she never wanted to cook anything again. Like that, we just had yeah. ex, just astronaut food. And that so was a terrible I, time. I mean, when microwaves came in, it was it was convenient, but it did take away from the, the love of cooking. Of Oh, yeah. That. It was like over. So I guess I kind of saw it as like my call to arms, you know. I started making pizza bagels because what, what else did I know? I was 13. But <laughs> I figured out, you know, really fast that everyone in the family – started being really nice to me once I started cooking. I was like, whoa, I could get used to this. So I guess you could say the bug kind of bit me right then and there. So when you when you uh, went to school, or did you go to school? I never to went chef? to school for uh, culinary arts. Really? That's great. Um, 
I'm a earn, learn while you earn kind of girl. Mm-hmm. I just went to work with a lot of misogynist chefs in the 80s, and they really did not want to see a woman in the kitchen in the 80s. I mean, they're not so f- fond of it now, but in the 80s, really? you get it. Mm-hmm. Is it okay, in the 80s, were you one of the very, very, very few women? That oh, were? I was the only one. I mean, you know, Alice Waters had already happened. So, right. you know, the mold had already started to crack. But I would go into these professional kitchens and there were just no women there. But they couldn't fire me because they were kind of afraid of like a class action lawsuit or something. So they would just do anything they could to make me quit. And, I mean, I had to work longer and twice as hard as the men just to get even a little bit of recognition and I just kind of refused to quit. So I paid my dues uh, in this very unfriendly environment. Um, and it's so ironic, too. Like men, they love their mother's cooking. Mm-hmm. They love their wife's cooking. You know, So why be so afraid of an extra vagina in the kitchen? I mean, <laughs> what the hell? You know? <laughs> can we say vagina on the air? I don't know. I just said We can twice. say it. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, you can say it. I'm I not going to say it. I said penis and vagina yeah, in a very short it. amount of time. I'm on a roll. Penis I was comfortable with, but vagina I'm not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, sorry. We could talk about that later. That's right. That's, you're a therapist, too. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, my part-time. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Uh, so you grew up. You self-taught. So, mm-hmm. But you had to have, outside of the family, did you just more at home do um, uh, experiments? Or did you have someone yeah. that you watched in, in the kitchens of... You know the restaurants that you worked in that you learned from, or both. What happened was, uh, I mean, I was a starving artist, so I was always making re- really strange things, like mixing rice and spaghetti and really <laughs> wacky food. Yeah. Um, and then I started bartending, and I was one of those old school kind of bartenders that would have the same thirty drunks at the bar. <laughs> and the kitchen would close, and I'd be stuck with these Bacaca thirty drunks, you know, throwing up on the bar. Mm-hmm. So I mean, all they had was like Pepperidge Farm goldfish. So I started going in the back and looking to see what was left over, and making like the nachos of the night. So there'd be buffalo chicken. I would make buffalo chicken nachos. Oh, that sounds good. Nachos. And I started to get this big cult following for my late-night nacho pig-out fest. I mean, <laughs> partially because it was free. I mean, hello. But mostly because if you're drunk at midnight, I mean, what could be better than buffalo chicken nachos? Mm. And now you're making me I, really hungry. I got it. You know, like, I really liked it. I got that solar plexus buzzing feeling like as if I had done a really great painting. Um, so I was like, you know, talking to the 30 drunks that was sort of losing its charm, but I thought maybe I'll just learn how to cook. And, uh, that's when I started slaving for all the chefs in the eighties. I did that for a while. And then once I launched my own catering company, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much I've been having a wild time ever since. I mean, when you're called the raging skillet, people do not call you up for like cucumber sandwiches or chicken <laughs> cordon bleu. They, they call you up for really wild that's stuff, right. which is great. Well, I saw that, uh, uh, is it Zagat that said you were dubbed the wildest thing this side of the Mason-Dixon line? Mm, I like that one. I know. I mean, come on. You can't beat that. No, no. I mean, I believe in truth and advertising, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sort of known as like the anti-chef or the anti-caterer, you know. I just, I'm very honest and I like to have fun and I don't like to be bored or boring and I think food should taste fantastic. I mean, when I first got into catering, 
food all looked gorgeous, but it tasted like linoleum. You know, no, nobody marinated things and nobody seared. They were just like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, it was like horrifying. Yeah. The rubber chicken kind of syndrome. Oh, yeah. So we like to just be as opposite to that as possible. Well, okay, so you've been doing this, it sounds, for a while, but looking at your pictures, you don't look that old, so you must... That's right. Yeah, so you, I mean, you look amazing, and, and but I want to know, the, the book, when did you decide to say, I'm going to sit down and write a book? Well, you know, I used to read the beginning of other people's books, and I and it would say, I've been working on this book for 10 years, and I would say, what a loser, you know, why did it take them 10 years to write the book? But... I have to say, I've been working on this book for like 16 years. I mean, wow. I, went through, I went through, you know, four agents and five publishers and 33 rewrites. And every time I thought it was done, you know, there'd be something else. So it just, I don't know why it took so long. I really got to hope that my second book maybe just takes a year or two, you know. <laughs> but it's just how it is. What can I say? Well, I... I it's. I mean, that's a task. It is a task because uh, mm. I hear a lot of people go, oh, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. And majority of the people that say it never do. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just a fact. It never do. Mm -hmm. uh, but was there anyone besides yourself that encouraged that says, you know, you need to really put this book on the shelves? Well, um, I think everybody in my life, for as long as I can remember, always thought when I would tell them about my weird family mm -hmm. that I was making it up. And when they realized I wasn't making it up, they always said, this has to be a book, or this has to be a movie, or this has to be a play, or a TV show. Like, everyone who's read the book is now telling me it has to be a movie. So, naturally, I've already written the screenplay. So, Mr. Spielberg, call me already. <laughs> you're Jewish. You're supposed to like me. Right. Yeah, he, I think he lost my number a long time ago. So. Come on, come on. <laughs> but I think if, the, if anyone were to ask me the greatest advice I would have to anyone else who wants to write a book, mm -hmm. I would simply say this. You know, unless you're world famous or have slept with the president, you know, you can't write a book unless you have to write a book. You know, because I wanted to give up like a thousand times. And it, mm. I couldn't because I just had to do it. I was even making deals with God, you know. And I was like, I had to do it. I didn't have a choice. And that's the only way you can do it. You just have to. Well, can I ask? I, I want to ask, and I hope it's, it, it, it's mm -hmm. not going to bring back any bad memories. But I know, I, I see where it, that you made a, a makeshift a, a grill on Ground Zero uh, mm -hmm. during the 9-11. And uh, I... I, I I, fa I find that fascinating, you know, again, how, you know, human beings, no matter how different we are and how much we disagree, but sometimes, you know, sometimes in the major crisis when we come together, I, I find it amazing how this happens. And so tell us, tell us what that, that choice of putting a makeshift grill well, it, it happens um, kind of organically. Mm -hmm. I live in downtown New York, so when the World Trade Center was on fire, right. I was watching it from my roof, and I woke up all my neighbors. I live in the East Village, so none of my neighbors were awake in the morning, and they thought I was kidding when I said the World Trade Center was on fire. I'm like, get out and come up. I said a few other things. That I'm I sure you <laughs> And so, well, use your imagination. Anyway, we were on the roof, and we were having, like, this conversation, you know, how will they put the fire out? And we all decided helicopters could put the fire out, you know. Um, and then all of a sudden, I, what I would describe as, like, a thousand silver cards sort of 
flew out and, and the first tower went down. Mm. And we were in profound shock. I mean, you could hear screaming from miles away. Like, no one could believe it. And then, of course, the second tower went down. And I think Seven World Trade Center and the fighter, fighter jets. And it, it was just, you know, crazy. But from the moment the first tower went down, I only could think of that movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, when mm-hmm. Richard Dreyfus has to go to that mountain. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I remember so that. I... Everyone was sort of running away from the World Trade Center, and I wanted to be there so badly. So um, I went down to South Street Seaport a couple of days later because I found out that a space that I work with was being used to feed uh, firemen. There were like 50 firemen sleeping on the floor and on the dance floor. And when they found that I was a chef, they just gave me a hard hat and an ID, and they sent me to St. Paul's. Now, I am a New Yorker, but... I didn't know what the hell St. Paul's was. I mean, I'm Jewish. (laughs) I didn't know that it was maybe 100 feet from the tower because um, in between St. Paul's and what was left of the World Trade Center was the Millennium Hotel. It sort of blocked the view. Um, There was so much dust in the air. It was a little bit like walking into a snowstorm. But as I'm getting out of the pickup truck, I see a couple of women who turned out to be missionaries' wives who were kind of flipping a hamburger, like two or three hamburgers on these little backyard barbecue grills. And I look and I see what must have been like 500 firemen online. And so I just sort of forgot everything about what happened or where I was. And I jumped out of the truck and started barking out orders and throwing on lighter fluid. And um, so much smoke came out of our grills that they thought actually something else had happened and they ran over. But we wound up feeding, I think, a thousand firemen wow. uh, at night, and I stayed there for, I guess it was five days, and in a lot of ways, I would say that those were the most rewarding and important five days of my life. Like, I thought everything I'd ever done had prepared me for that, mm-hmm. and, you know, caterers, we work on high adrenaline, so... I sort of felt well-suited to be there and much more comfortable being there than being anywhere else because I only wanted to be there, you know, where I felt useful. Um, Anyway, Mm, you know, I I guess I look back on it as the most important thing I ever did. It's not like feeding hamburgers to a thousand firemen is the most important thing in the world, as it sounds, but it it really was. Well, it was something you didn't have to do. I mean, it was something that you felt that you had to do. You didn't have to do it, but you felt that you had to do it. And that's what I, that's what I, you know, I, I love about New York. I love about America that we do come together in those times of need. And, uh, it's, it, I find it so amazing. And I, and I'm glad you included something in, you know, of this story into your book. And that's, you know, your book is not for people out there, you know, it says a memoir with recipes. So there's both your life story mm-hmm. and the recipes, uh, that you chose. Why, and what, what are the, re- you don't have to tell us the recipes, but why did you choose the recipes that you included? Well, I only put in recipes that were relevant to the chapter. Oh, okay. And they sort of took you on the process. So in the beginning, I give a recipe for something called Snickers casserole. Ooh, that sounds good. Which, you know what? (laughs) When I was recipe testing the book, I thought it would be horrible. I mean, I made it when I was 13. It was so good. It was so good. I put it on the menu. But essentially, at that era of 13, 14, and 15, I was only making food that was meant to be eaten if you were stoned. (laughs) 
So, like, even the recipe is like normally could serve six, but right. only two if they're stoned, you yes. know, something like that. Hilarious. And then as the book progresses, the recipes get more sophisticated, and they're sort of appropriate to each chapter. <laughs> that's funny, especially uh, on today, you know, is today is 420, so that's funny. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. April 20th. Uh, so before we get out, we have about three minutes left, and I love you. I mean, I, I love your personality. I love your energy, and I see that you also host, you still host your uh, radio show? Yes, I do. It's uh, org. You can click on that and uh, listen, listen to all the podcasts. My show's called Bite This. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, there's a whole thing. Bite this, and then the column I write in Bus Magazine is called Eat Me. You know, there's something going on. Love so it. if you ever want to hear more of me, you can just go there um, and listen to me. It's WOMR and WFMR. It's broadcast out of Cape Cod in Massachusetts, but, you know, you always hear it on the web. And basically, my show is like I read 10 minutes of wacky memoir and follow it with recipes. So not so different from the chapters in the book. Right. Um, and if anybody happens to be in Los Angeles, I'm going to be at the Sunset Strip at Book Soup on April 26th. And we're going to do a whole kooky Passover thing. I'm going to give out Manischewitz spritzers and read the Passover chapter of the book and, you know, bring on my Jew. And when, when, when is this again? April 26th at Book Soup on the Sunset Strip. April 26th, and so, of course, I'm, I'm seeing people in the chat room, because uh, we're now streaming live not only to UBNRadio.com, but we're, uh, we're going to the UB, uh, UBN Radio Facebook page, and so people are talking on both sites. So, uh, Oh, great. Yeah, and uh, Mark in the chat room said, congratulations uh, to you for following her dreams and making them happen. Uh, Aww, so I know okay. people are, are being influenced by you, and I'm hoping that they can come and join you. Uh, on the 26th, and so we'll put 7 p.m. and I promise a lot of really funky Passover food and my wacky personality. And pl- um, please come back. Know, we want you to come back. We want. We'd love to have you in studio with your personality. I think we'd have a good old time. Oh yeah, and Tony, listen, I'm going to meet you at back. Okay, so be ready for me. <laughs> That's right. Bring some of those uh, that uh, Snickers casserole thing. Okay. I will. I will. <laughs> but thank you so much. Unfortunately, our time is up. But we love you. We love you. Love you. Love you, sweetie. And uh, make sure now. Where can we find you at Chef Rossi? I know on Twitter. Is there any other place that we can? Oh yeah, find you? I'm Chef Rossi NYC on Facebook, and I'm Chef Rossi on Instagram, and. I don't know. I'm twitting and instinging all over the place. And the the ragingskillet.com is that your? The ragingskillet.com is the best place to find me because it gives you updates on everything I have coming up. And you have some good looking food on there. I'll tell you right now, that's Thank some good you. looking food. All right. Well, now you made me hungry. I'm gonna have to get off here and go home and eat now. <laughs> all right. I love it. All right, my dear. Thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate you. Ah, right, you take care, lady. All right. Bye bye. All right, guys. Well, it is almost time to get out of here. It is 4.50. It's time to say goodbye. But what we're going to do next week, we have Carla back. We have uh, another amazing show. You can go to honoratonysuite.com and check out our upcoming guests. Now, if you guys uh, love UFO, paranormal, uh, conspiracy theory stuff, then you want to listen to uh, my show this coming Friday, Truth Be Told with Tony and Eddie. Eddie Connor is my co-host. He's a psychic. We are going to have a great show for you guys. Uh, We have a psychic on the show. Uh, 
Trisha McCannon, and then oh, I've, I have to look on the website. I have so many people coming up this week. But go to truthbetoldwebtv.com. You can check out all of our guests. Sorry, I should be looking at the camera. I'm so used to looking at my screen. But uh, uh, make sure you go and check out all of our guests. Listen to us on iHeartRadio. We're on iHeartRadio at Truth Be Told uh, Paranormal. And then uh, go to our YouTube uh, channel. It's just Truth Be Told with Tony and Eddie. You can listen to all of our shows. We have like almost I think 4,300 subscribers now. Thank you so much for doing that. We would love to have you guys follow us. And uh, it's going to be a great uh, month of uh, April and then May. We're already booked up. And then I think on uh, this show, on May 4th, we have uh, from Captain and Tennille, we have Tennille coming on this show, and she's going to talk about her new book. I'm excited about that. Uh, Stick around for one-on-one with Jasper Cole, which is starting in about eight minutes uh he has denise boutte is going to be on the show so we're excited to have uh denise here i love denise and uh go listen to jasper's cole jasper cole show so anyway we love you guys thank you so much uh, for listening to us and people listening to us on facebook thank you again we really appreciate it i'm out see you next week this has been on air with tony sweet don't worry there's more online search on air with tony sweet on itunes for fast shows and exclusive behind the scenes content on air with tony sweet every wednesday and friday from 4 to 6 p.m pacific right here on ubnradio.com with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.